Welcome into another episode of the Five Foot Nothing, Hundred Nothing Podcast. I'm your host, and I am Five Foot Nothing, a Hundred Nothing. All right, guys, we finally made it. We are finally in game week. We are three days away from the biggest game to start a season I can remember for so many reasons, and we'll discuss some of those. But man, we're here, and is there a better way to kick off season three of my show than Notre Dame versus Ohio State, and all the nonsense that we have seen on Twitter. And if we can make the Ohio State fan base quit Twitter, it's a great day. It's a great day. I just need to know if it's possible. Is it possible? Is it possible? Let's think about it. I think we can do it. I think we can do it. But we'll find out soon enough, won't we? And while I think it's possible... Will we do it? We'll find out. But some people in Vegas seem to think that it's like not even going to be close. Making it a 17-point underdog for our beloved Fighting Irish. And uh, all I'm going to say is I've already put money on us covering. I'll start with that. And we'll get to my prediction and how I think we can win this game and what will happen. Not will. That's I have no idea what's going to happen. But you know what? Ohio State fans seem to think that we will lose by, um, I don't know, a thousand points. Just pick a number, a bunch of idiots. No rationale. I try to to bring logic and reasoning. I try to bring that to the table. And they want no part of it. They, They log into Twitter and they put their logic and reasoning over in the corner. And they do what they do. But we're going to get there. But, uh, you know, we get an appetizer on Saturday. We do. Uh, Oregon versus Georgia. Some people seem to think that should be the game of the week. On what planet? (laughs) Nick, seriously, on what planet? Like, Jimmy, I love you. I know you're out in Oregon. My grandfather went to Oregon. They are not even remotely close to the draw that Ohio State or Notre Dame are individually never mind together Georgia yeah cool you just won the national championship in reality it was it was nice you guys did it congratulations but I, I, I'll take it if it's boring that's what I'm getting at boring style of football it reminded me of the, watching the Spurs when all those NBA championships bounce pass chess pass layup like yeah cool you're good at the fundamentals but I don't care how the hell we do it. If we win a national championship, I don't care if we run the triple option the whole fucking year. Just do it. But we get that little appetizer. That should be nice. And we'll see how it goes. And if my voice sounds a little hoarse, it's because it is. Um, and here we are Wednesday, and I still don't have it back after I lost it over the weekend cheering for my son uh, at a baseball game. Turns out I'm better as a coach. When I coach, I have to somewhat keep my composure. Put me on the other side of the fence... That's a whole nother game. Uh, I'm yelling things at umpires. I'm cheering loudly, obnoxiously. 
And this is all for 7U baseball, man. But hey, we won the championship. They got badass rings. Great time. <clears throat> but my voice is now this for now. Which, side note, the hype song that I wanted to start the season with is going to have to be delayed until... Again, I can't sing. I can't sing. But I can't even get the words out with this voice. So we'll get there. But... We'll go over a lot of this stuff, and uh, let's see. Oh, Nebraska! <laughs> how I don't know how you guys feel about Nebraska. I they have a special place in my heart for go fuck yourself. But uh, that was tremendous. That was <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. And uh, maybe you do have an opinion on Nebraska. Maybe you don't. You don't care. I don't know. But um, you know, a little glimpse into my life. You know, I talk about my personal life on here. Um, uh, here's a quick little fun story time with five foot nothing. A guy who was my best friend for 18 years. He went from my best friend to my best man in my first marriage to my brother-in-law because he married my ex-wife's sister. Couldn't ask for it. <clears throat> he was an awesome dude. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm telling you this voice thing, man. He was a great guy. Awesome guy. My best friend. We clicked on every level. Two dudes, two buddies could click. Sports, everything. Well, I got divorced. And he decided that my friendship to him was worth nothing. He literally ghosted me just a couple years after I got divorced. It's like kind of slowly but surely faded me out. And here's why I tell this story. His dad is a Nebraska graduate, like my dad is a Notre Dame graduate. So he was all about the black shirts in Nebraska, and he's been to several games in Lincoln, and anytime Nebraska was even <clears throat> close to travel to from Texas, they were there. And now, I'm not saying karma's a bitch, okay? I'm saying karma is a motherfucker, because... When he stopped talking to me was the fall of 2017. That's when he cut me out of his life completely. Uh, hey, whatever. Teach their own. But I will say, I find it funny that since that happened, Nebraska has gone 4-8, and 4-8, 5-7, 3-5, 3-9, and currently just embarrassed themselves and shit the bed on national television in Ireland to start 0-1. So, I mean, that's, that's comical. 4-8, 4-8. Five and seven, three and five, three and nine. Meanwhile, my Notre Dame Fighting Irish, since the fall of 2017, have gone 10 and three, 12 and one, 11 and two, 10 and two, 11 and two. Hmm. I'm not, hey, I'm not saying it's his fault, but I'm saying maybe we don't put all the blame on Scott Frost. Hey, be friends with me. And your life's good, man. Life's good. Because before that, Nebraska was okay. They weren't the laughing stock that they are today. So I got a very, very much enjoyable uh, moment when I saw, found out, because I was at the baseball field all day, but found out Nebraska had completely fucked themselves up <laughs> and outside kick. That was tremendous. So, yeah, that happened. But enough about that stuff. Let's get into this thing. Watch me for the changes and try to keep up. Okay, first off, I'm going to go back to this. 
17 point underdogs are come on and I I know it's gone up because enough people are like there's no way Notre Dame's going to keep it close you know and they're just betting it betting it betting it and betting it up obviously but I felt like from the beginning Notre Dame was going to keep this you know within reason like a 10 point game and now that it's 17, 17 and a half, some, some places have it at 18. Yeah, I put money that we're going to cover because we're going to cover. And will we win? I don't know. Stay tuned. But be, the, I feel like I, all the OSU fans on Twitter are the ones betting. You know, my God, the Notre Dame loses by 40. Good Lord. Like, that crowd needs to disappear. And the thing that pisses me off about them, they go out of their way. Now, if if you go out of your way to seek out and hunt down opposing teams' post just to talk shit, you know, teach their own. I, I don't see the point in that. I like to talk to my fellow Notre Dame fans. And it's not an echo chamber situation at all. We all have our agreements and disagreements. But I like to talk with... People who are, their goal is the same as mine. Okay? And regardless of what you uh, feel, if we're going 10 and 2, if we think we're going to go 8 and 4, at the end of the day, all of us Notre Dame fans want us to win a national championship. You know, but you're going to have your opinions on the team and we can discuss those in a healthy way. OSU fans, you say anything positive about your Notre Dame football team on Twitter. Regardless, I know it's Twitter. I get it, but I just—it's insane. They will literally hunt your tweet down just to jump in and talk shit, like. And I, and, uh, the the Four Horsemen podcast kind of pointed this out, and I I kind of agree that I said it myself. They're almost it's like they're going out of their way to talk shit to convince themselves that Notre Dame is isn't a threat. Like you know what we're we're gonna talk shit. Like fuck these guys. Like, they're really, they are worried that Notre Dame could pose a threat. And I don't know if they think Notre Dame can win the game, but I think Notre Dame's going to keep it closer and it's going to make them more uncomfortable than they want to be, especially after what happened last year with Oregon and then again with Michigan and then damn near at the end with Utah. That's all on their mind. So they're freaking out. But, man, they go out of their way to just talk shit. I just, I, I don't get that. I mean, I'll talk shit if it shows up in my mentions, you know, shows up at my front door. Okay, I'll rebut it, but I still don't go to the extreme. And what I mean by that is these fans are saying stuff that, like, you're going to eat some serious crow come Saturday night, Sunday. That's just facts. I'm not that dumb and I said that to somebody uh, an OSU fan I was like sorry I'm not that dumb and he didn't even get the implication that I was calling him dumb you know Just, I guess how you word it right but I'm not that dumb to put myself in a in a stance that I don't believe like why would I say something to get called out later and have to you know and I'll own it I've done it since got on Twitter, I own the 
the things I'm wrong about and who our team is and who our team isn't and all that kind of stuff. They don't want to own it. And it's hilarious. No, I do hope that we have plenty of things to quote tweet and use all the receipts we can dream of and force a few people to either block me, just quit Twitter altogether, deactivate one account to make a new one because, you know, I've done it in the past and I don't even, I'm not even, I guess I'm kind of jerk about it, you know, I mean, I'm calling them out. But I don't say anything derogatory or, you know, insulting or anything, you know. But all the over Notre Dame lose by 40 crowd, God bless you if we win this game. And if it's a close game, like I anticipate it to be, I'm still going to throw some comments out there. Because that's how wrong you were about your football team and maybe we do get a little bit of respect, right? But let's talk about the game as best we can with... Zero football having been played. I do want to start with Notre Dame's death chart. If you saw it, it came out this week. And there's some interesting things on here. I'm not going to go through every position. I mean, we know what we have on the offensive line. Hopefully Patterson's healthy and he can play. We'll see. But we know what we've got there. We know about our defensive line, defensive front. We know we got Bosky and Adam and Lola brothers and uh, Howard Cross, Riley. We got all those guys, right? But things that were interesting to me is we clearly are going to have some sort of three-headed monster in the backfield. Tyree or Diggs or Estime. I like that a lot. And not because we're thin at receiver, which Tyree is probably going to end up being more of that type of running back, uh, especially week one. Um, but he may get more touch in the backfield because how health is Diggs 100, 100%? Or is he just good enough to play? I, we don't know. But I think the or estimate is a big, big deal. This dude is an animal. He's the bus 2.0. He has the potential and he's agile. Like if you've seen some of the... Uh, practice clips of him and I'm excited to see this guy run the football I really really am um, so with all of them able to go and you add in Buckner our run pass option offense is going to be something special I do believe that I think our offensive line is good enough to allow all four of these guys Buckner included to have space to do what they do with their Skill set, you know, so you get Tyree or Diggs or Estimate. I love it. Then you look at the wide receivers, and I just Styles that's fantastic. Jaden Thomas, awesome. Lindsey, cool. It's it's after that, you know, the backup to Styles is Colsey. The listed backup to Thomas is Salerno. I Again, I, I think that's just a product of Avery Davis is out, and that's the position Slurner plays. You know, and then Wilkins is listed. I just don't know what his situation is. I haven't been, I wasn't able to find, and maybe on purpose uh, from the Notre Dame side, exactly how good to go he is or isn't or otherwise. 
I do think you're going to see a lot of Tobias Merriweather. I think he's one guy. He he's going to play this year. He's his red shirt is, is done. Like he's not going to be a red shirt guy. He's going to play. But I can't help but look at this when I'm looking in like Styles and then it's Colsey who has a lot of potential, just hasn't really shown it. And then Thomas, but then there's Salerno and it's Lindsay and not a healthy Wilkins. It's like, man, if could you imagine if we had a receiver that that experience a ton of talent made huge plays for us, you know, and uh, didn't declare for the NFL. Wouldn't that be sweet if we had Kevin Austin just on our roster right now? Uh, I feel bad for the guy. It didn't, well, I say it didn't work out. We don't know what the rest of his career will or won't be. But the fact that he didn't get drafted and then he did get cut, like that just all points to the things that you don't want to be too negative, but we said he probably shouldn't have left. Like that was a risky, risky decision. Now, the only thing I can think of is he was fearful of being injured again, and then he likely would have had zero chance of ever being drafted and that kind of thing. So, But it, I just can't help but look at that and go, man, if we just had Austin on this roster right now, the throwing at the receiver position, it would really, I have confidence, but it really, really would help that confidence. And part of the reason I have confidence is I I do like Lorenzo Styles a lot. And I think Jaden Thomas is going to be solid. We know what Lindsey can be. He just has to do it consistently. But even if one of those isn't the top level of what they could possibly be, that's okay. Because we got Michael Mayer. And that dude is going to be a game changer, especially on Saturday. He is a matchup nightmare. It is just, you can't deny it. He's a matchup nightmare. Now, I did notice after Mayer, it's Bauman and then Sherwood. I don't know what the plan is for tight end. I just, it's one of those, okay, let's wait Wait till the game. Wait till Saturday and we'll see what they actually do with the tight end position in terms of if they have two on the field, who's out there. If we do run a three tight end set, which is not impossible, you know, we'll see. <clears throat> but <clears throat> I will get into what these guys can do and need to do and need to focus on to go out and win on Saturday. And then defensively, like I said, we know what the front <clears throat> four is. We're we're good there, right? I did find it interesting that Kaiser and Bertrand are all over the depth chart <laughs> at the linebacker position. So they're going to be on the field. Uh, that's what that tells me. And you got Leah Fowles starting and Bauer. And the name that was also on there, Tui Halamaka, from what I understand, he's a starter on most of the special teams. He's another freshman that's probably going to burn a red shirt, and that's fine. But it looks like this dude's going to get on the field as a linebacker, and Prince Colley might even too. But the linebackers we're going to see all season are Leofel, Kaiser, Bertrand, and Bauer. Like Those are going to be your, your main four guys because they're just, like I said, all over the depth chart, right? <clears throat> and we need them to play at the levels we've seen them play, you know, especially against a team like Ohio State because 
We know what their offense can do. Okay? It's it's no secret. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to do my preview is not going to be like future previews where I, I'll talk about statistics and 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 things like that, but I mean, we know we know the numbers and I, you know just quickly CJ Stroud last year threw for 341 yards a game, 71% completion percentage, 44 touchdowns, only six picks. He was sacked 13 times, and his rushing yards in the season was negative 20, so he's not a runner, definitely a thrower, but he's back. Travion Henderson, he averaged 6.8 yards a carry, had another 27 catches, 15 touchdowns. Um, Jackson Smith... Uh, Njigba, JSN, we know his deal, right? Marvin Harrison Jr., he wasn't hugely productive, but he showed up in the Utah game when they didn't have Olave and Wilson because they opted out, but played pretty solid, if you ask me. So we know what Ohio State's offense can do. However, there is a belief, and I'm in this camp. Notre Dame's defensive line can provide challenges for Ohio State's offensive line in turn getting to C.J. Stroud who doesn't appear to be the the most mobile quarterback. I mean, he can move, but just the, statistically speaking, it he doesn't sack 13 times. That's not a huge number. What, one a game? But the fact that on the season, overall, he had negative 20 yards rushing. Guy, The guy doesn't run. So he's looking to throw. And that's going to put a lot of pressure on Cam Hart and DJ Brown, Houston Griffith, uh, Brandon Joseph, Clarence Lewis. It, they got to be ready. They got to be ready. And the secondary depth chart was kind of interesting to me because uh, it said Hart or Bracey. You know, Brown or Griffith, Joseph or Henderson, Lewis or Hart. And I feel like a lot of that has to do with the defending of the pass. We're going to have plenty of five defensive back sets and maybe even six. I'm just looking. I know Bracey's probably going to be your nickel guy. But the uh, Joseph or Henderson, that was interesting to me. Uh, Brown or Griffith, I get. But, uh, you know, Cam Hart's going to be your guy. One side or the other, because it's Hart or Bracey, and then Lewis or Hart. But the the secondary man, that's they they got to be ready to play to stop Stroud and Smith and Jigba and Harrison and Henderson. You know, I I think our defensive line is going to provide enough push to make Stroud uncomfortable. But I think Ohio State's still going to be able to do some things. I mean, they've got talent. I mean, call it what it is. Stroud's the Heisman favorite. Smith and Jigba is sixth in the Heisman preseason Heisman odds. Henderson is ninth. So they have three dudes in the top ten of the Heisman favorites going into the season. They can play ball. But there is an opportunity for us to control the game. And it starts there. It, it, like I said earlier on a previous show, scoring with Ohio State will be, uh, I think, important. But 
if it becomes a track meet shootout, I, I don't think that's how Notre Dame can win this game. It's got to start on the defensive side and with the front four and front seven giving C.J. Stroud trouble and not letting these, uh, as my good friend Beef puts it, these frisbee-catching dogs run around all game. That's not an option. But to wrap up the the depth chart and then jump into more of the game stuff, the special teams, oh my God. I don't know about you guys, but I was excited when I saw the special teams depth chart. They matter. God, golly, they matter. Who knew? Who knew that you could put Brandon Joseph back to return punts and not Matt Salerno? Who knew you should have your three kick returners be listed as Tyree Styles and Lindsey? Oh, my God, they're the fastest guys on the team. Huh, what a novel concept. Thank you, Brian Mason, for figuring that out. Because Brian Polian had no idea. He had no idea what he was doing. So I'm excited for that. Hopefully, we can make a special teams play, flip the field in some capacity after stopping Ohio State. We get a punt return. Um, maybe it's the start of half. We get a big kick return or after a field goal because we ain't going to let them score touchdowns, right? Uh, but no, after a score, we take the, a kickoff. I mean, how big was Tyree's kickoff against Wisconsin? I mean, how big of a play was that? So the new staff gets it. This is an opportunity to make a momentum-changing play, and they have the guys in place to do it now. Awesome. All right. So that's the depth chart. Kind of went over, you know, who should be, who's going to be where and what we might see. But that's all fantastic. We need to put it together on the field. And I'll look at our offense versus Ohio State's defense first. So they have a new defensive coordinator, Knowles. And it feels like an advantage for Notre Dame. And I believe that it is. Now, Ohio State has talent. That you look at their recruiting and the defensive side of the ball, those guys are talented. Can they play together? That seems to be their, their issue. And also, how they were being coached and coordinated by the previous defensive coordinator. It, From what I could gather, the previous defensive coordinator was not using all of that talent in the best way possible. And that matters. You could have all the talent in the world if you're not putting in putting it in a place to succeed or setting it up for success, it really doesn't matter. Now, can he get that, can Knowles get all that talent to play together game one, week one, against a opponent like Notre Dame? Remains to be seen. There is a learning curve. There will be a learning curve. And for Ohio State fans, that's the, that's the part of it I don't get. I... I'm not going to argue with them too much about, you know, well, we could put up 40 points. That's probably true. But I also think, as we've learned, because we can speak from experience on this, getting a new defense coordinator who is highly touted and has had success doesn't mean you're going to come in week one, game one, against a legitimate opponent and then shut them down and, you know, win 42-10. to 10. We learned that last year against Florida State. Florida State was not a good football team. 
we learned that, right? And it looked great in the beginning, but then we just, we hadn't figured it all out. And Florida State hung with us too much. And then Toledo hung with us way too much. It's fucking Toledo. There's a learning curve. So I don't care how talented they are. They were bad last year. And yes, the defensive coordinator has a lot to do with that. But again, you can't expect game one, week one to be all gelled together and all fantastic. Because our strength for the last few years has been, uh, our strength, Notre Dame's strength, has been defense. Yet, the best defensive coordinator, in my opinion, we've had, now he was only here for one season as a DC, now he's the head coach, but he still took a couple games to really get it all gelled and, and going in the right direction, right? And we have that too with Al Golden. But the fact that Freeman's still on staff is a, is a huge plus. And then I look at how Notre Dame played against Oklahoma State, which is where Knowles came from. And we were up 28-7, to and then we, we just did just fuckery. Uh, we, yes, there were some opportunities missed, but the biggest opportunity was, I don't know why on God's green earth we didn't put in Buckner to somehow establish some sort of running threat, get something going. Uh, but nonetheless, we did lose to Oklahoma State, but that's having played that game, being the last game and the only game Marcus Freeman's been a head coach, I think is a huge advantage. Because here's the thing. Offensively, when you change things, like, I don't know, let's say your quarterback, and you go from a non-mobile quarterback to a very much a dual-threat quarterback, you don't know what to expect as a defensive coordinator. So Knowles is like, oh, shit. What is Buckner going to be? There's not a ton of film to really go off of. And we don't know what he could do. Maybe the offense is completely revamped for Buckner. We don't know. But here's the thing about defense coordinators. They pretty much keep their same foundation, right? So to think that he's going to do it one way at Oklahoma State, then come to Ohio State and have a completely different defense is insane. So Notre Dame should be ready for the looks they're going to get from Ohio State. The talent is going to be dramatically different, Oklahoma State versus Ohio State. But I feel like, again, Notre Dame has an advantage of knowing what to expect defensively from a Knowles-led defense. I like that. But you can also make the counterpoint, if you're an Ohio State promoter, well, you have a new head coach, you have a new quarterback. You know, what What are you going to do? You, you don't need, well, for a while we didn't have a quarterback. I this, That was so strange to me. We didn't have a quarterback. Um, but... That's the other. That's the other part of this thing. Some of these Ohio State fans are just so ignorant. They're just ignorant. Like, oh, you don't have a quarterback. He sucks. Like, how do you know? I'll be honest. We don't know either. Like, how do you know he sucks? Because we don't know he sucks. We don't know if he's great either. But what I do know is there were many, many moments during last season where you saw what Tyler Buckner can be. We know what his high school numbers were and the things he did in high school. Now, unfortunately, he lost a lot of time due to injury and COVID, but the fact of the matter is that the guy is talented, and he's a different type of quarterback than we have had 
I'm, I don't even know uh, how long. Because from what I can tell and read and you know see little clips of, and we've seen it last year in game, he does have the arm. He does have the legs, and he's tough as nails. Um, he he will run, and he's he's not. He probably takes too much contact, but the guy can play. TB12 can play, you know. And oh, we have a new head coach. Yeah, but he's been in the program. It's not some outside hire that it just is spent the off season learning. He spent a whole season in South Bend going through a season with a lot of these guys. So I don't think that's as big of a detriment as some want to make it out to be. Now, yes, as I mentioned in the last show, is his in-game coaching going to be up to what we've seen from Brian Kelly? Probably not. But at the same time, Brian Kelly is also the same moron that threw it, I don't know how many fucking times in a hurricane. So, I mean, uh, I trust that Freeman won't throw the ball 30-some-odd times in a literal hurricane. Like, I'm not being hyperbolic about this. It wasn't like, oh, it was kind of raining. It was a hurricane. (laughs) And we threw the ball 30-something times. I don't get it. So, some Brian Kelly in-game things weren't that fantastic either. But, you know... And you, I think we can all agree that there were things that Brian Kelly understood having been a head coach for so long that Marcus Freeman doesn't know because he doesn't know. Like, you don't know what you don't know in any job. I, I made similar statements when Freeman got hired, looking forward, what to expect. It's like any job. I don't care what it is, head coach in Notre Dame football or, you know, bagging groceries at HEB. Like, you don't know what you don't know until it presents itself and you have to handle the situation and you know you can try to plan for it but again until it actually happens you don't know but I don't think Freeman being a new head coach is in in our situation quite the same as you know Riley going to USC or Venables going to Oklahoma it they were with he was within the program already so, when it comes to Notre Dame's offense versus Ohio State's defense, I do think there is an advantage <clears throat> that Notre Dame can use. I, I believe that. And I think we can score points with that. But it's still going to come back to what Notre Dame does on defense. Because scoring 30 is nice. And we can do that. But if we're letting Ohio State do its thing, it doesn't matter if we score 30, 35, 38. If they get to 42, 45 points, that's just not enough. So I think it's going to come down to the defensive line versus offensive line and Notre Dame's offensive line versus Ohio State's defensive line. Line of scrimmage, that's where this game is going to be made. Because if Notre Dame, the three-headed monster of Tyree Diggs, estimate throwing Buckner, if we can't <clears throat> control that and have some sort of running threat and we're only passing, 
I don't know if I like that. It's just it's too predictable. And it, it doesn't do what you kind of need to do against Ohio State, which is use clock. You just we have to make the game a little bit shorter, you know. And I lo- I always love when people say that and like make it shorter. It's a sixty minute game. How do you make it shorter? But you know what I mean. Uh, we need to just make it shorter. But that doesn't mean you play not or was uh, play not to lose. Like the play not to lose mentality has to be gone, right? Because the dumbass that was leading that charge is now in Baton Rouge. I, it was the dumbest thing. Say good fucking bye to playing not to lose, please. And I think we are. Because one thing I can say confidently, this I think I know. I almost want to say this is fact. Because it's got to be. Freeman is going to have the Notre Dame football team more hyped and more motivated and more ready to go <clears throat> coming out of the tunnel than Brian Kelly could ever dream of. Now, what does that mean? Remains to be seen, right? But I do think these guys are going to have the I'll run through a wall for this guy mentality that they never, ever had with Brian Kelly. And, I mean, the stories just keep coming out about the guy. Again, we always end up, I always end up down this, it's like, like an exit ramp that I didn't mean to exit and I got to get back on the freeway, but Go with me. <clears throat> We're going to take the exit. The Brian Kelly stories just keep coming out. The Dracovic thing. Like, I'm not surprised that Brian Kelly said what his parents wanted to hear and he was full of shit. Um, then the Lou Holtz clip. That I love Lou Holtz. Who doesn't? I can't do the voice. Well, I can't do my own voice right now. But Lou Holtz, uh, if you haven't seen the clip, highly recommend it. Go find it. Uh I retweeted it, so it'll be on my timeline somewhere, right? But he said, I wrote Brian Kelly eight letters. And wrote eight letters. Didn't send eight emails. Didn't send eight. Like, he hand wrote fucking, and who knows what he used to write it. Because I saw a joke that, you know, he's so old, he probably used a a feather and some ink. Uh, But he wrote eight letters. To Brian Kelly. He's still waiting for that one letter back. And you know what? That's who the motherfucker is. But Lou Holtz had a great quote in there. He's like, I responded to every letter that ever came to me in Notre Dame. And sometimes they were negative. And you get those negative letters and you just... You take out a piece of paper and you write, Dear Jim, just wanted you to know that people are writing some pretty mean things and signing your name to it. You know, they're kind of ruining your reputation. My recommendation is find out who's doing it and put a stop to it. <laughs> like it's classic Lou Holtz, man. Love it, love it, love it. But going back to the Brian Kelly stories, that's like that's who he is. Oh, it's a business trip. And it's just he did not have like even when he came out of the tunnel, he didn't look like he was excited to be there. Like for games that you should be excited to fucking be there. My God. Like, I didn't think I'd get this frustrated in a preview, but god damn it, you start thinking about this shit. Yeah, I don't expect you to come out hyped against fucking Toledo and Bowling Green and Ball State and who the fuck ever else, right? But I kind of would like you to be a little hyped up when you have to play fucking Alabama in the national championship. We have to play Alabama in a playoff. When you have to play Clemson in a playoff. 
when you have Clemson at home at night. Yeah, we won that game. But go back. Look at Brian Kelly coming out of the tunnel. Did he look like he was remotely hyped and excited and motivated to be there? No. The guy looked like he was about to walk into HEB, shop for some fucking groceries. <clears throat> Jesus Christ. <clears throat> See, I lost my voice some more. That's what happens. Damn it. So, that's the one thing I can say confidently. Marcus Freeman is going to have those dudes ready to rock and roll. <clears throat> Will that mean we win? Will that mean... I, I don't know. But I do think that's a, at least a step in the right direction because you can't come out flat and then like work your way up to being hyped. And that's what happens. That's what happens when you have Brian Kelly leading your motivational tactics. There is none. And you come out flat and you get... By the time you figure out what the hell, you're already steamrolled. Like, okay, now I'm now I'm in the game. And I I there isn't yeah, the players gotta get hyped themselves. But if you're listening and you've played sports, come on, you know, you know you feed off of what your leader, the coach, is pushing. And when you see the stuff Freeman's doing you know they're going to be more hyped and more motivated and that should lead to something. And what that should mean is kick to the curb this playing not to lose nonsense. Light the bingo board on motherfucking fire. Please, God, if I start seeing bingo shit, I'm going to I'm gonna lose it. And I'm watching the game. If you hadn't seen me tweet it, I'm watching the game with an Ohio State fan. That was not on purpose. I mean, I, I, yes, it's on purpose. I'm, we were friends. But, like, when I made friends with the guy, I didn't know he was a Ohio State fan. It's kind of funny. We we always talk baseball. And I don't know how, as much I love Notre Dame, college football never came up, but it was baseball season. We were working together, talked about the Yankees and this and that. And then we go play golf, and he sees my golf clubs. He's like, how did I not know you were a Notre Dame fan? I was like, I don't know. And he's like, dude, September 3rd is going to be fun. I'm like, wait, what the fuck? And he's an Ohio State fan. So I'm going to watch him with him. But he's going to see a side of me that he probably didn't know existed if we start doing the bingo shit where everything's working. Whatever just whatever it is, the run-pass option, you know, uh, crossing routes, whatever it is, all of it's fucking working. And then we decide to do some shit that doesn't work. But it's almost like we just we had to try it because if we do we had to get the the O seventy four space covered up uh, that says you know whatever I don't know, fucking QB draw just whatever the play that you're like why did you stop your own momentum there you had them rolling or we're running no huddle no huddle no huddle we got them on their heels all right huddle up or timeout or something stupid I ah, please don't do that shit. Don't don't try to fill boxes. Don't go. We have well. We haven't run this play yet. Well, let's just mix it in right now. Fuck that. Do what works and keep doing it. Okay. So, I want this team to be aggressive. We need this team to be aggressive. So the fuck playing not to lose. Be aggressive, but be smart. Okay. Be smart about it. I'm not saying you know be aggressive and throw pee into the wind and don't care about anything. Don't be. Be calculated with it, okay? We just... I don't want to see the Ian Book big game offense, which is, if you're lucky, you'll get two passes more than 20 yards downfield. 
Let's let's see a little bit more of that. Okay, let's do some stuff. You know, we we have a real chance to make a statement. You know, we have three running backs and a very capable running quarterback. I've mentioned that how many times now? There is no reason we cannot run for like 150 yards. You know, like there's no reason for that. And if we are aggressive and flip the field and get close, once we get in the red zone, there is no reason we can't score a touchdown every red zone possession. Will we? I don't know. But I believe there's no reason we shouldn't. And I say that because of the running threat, the RPO, the read option with just the running backs and quarterback. But then you mix in baby Gronk in the red zone. Like, that has to be... We have to see those advantages and and take them. And I don't want to see BS. I want to see legitimate red zone plays that are designed to score touchdowns because I, I as good as Michael Floyd going way back, as good as Michael Floyd was at that fade route, and Jeff Samarji even, I, I never love that play. I, I know people like it a lot, and, you know, I'm not saying don't run it. I'm just saying we there were times where that was our first, second, third down, fade to the right, fade to the left, fade to the right. Oh, it didn't work, damn it. Well, that's because, like, that's just a fucking jump ball. There's no... Like, you didn't even need the other 10 guys or 9 guys on the field. You just need the quarterback and the receiver. Like, I just, I I don't want to see that often. I, I think we you need to do it. You know, it, it's a, it is a good opportunity at times if you have the right matchup. But I just think we need to use what we have to our advantage. And in the red zone, there's no reason we shouldn't be trying to keep the ball in Buckner's hands from a running perspective, and give them that threat. I think it's there. So, you know, I and then estimate. If we get close, we're inside the five, bust 2.0, just give him the ball and let him run as fast as he can straight forward. He will probably fall forward almost every time. Just, there are opportunities for us to win this game. And it, it, it will be a gigantic, one small step for man, one giant step for mankind. It feels like that big of a moment for Notre Dame football, given what we are subjected to on a daily basis on social media. And Paul motherfucking Feinbaum with his big ass fucking doofy ass ears who talks out of his asshole more than he talks out of his mouth. It's an amazing, it's an amazing feat of uh, human engineering. I don't know how he does it. I really don't. I don't know how he manages to talk out of his asshole more than his mouth. But he does. Good for him. You know. <laughs> but, like, we've been put through the ringer. In, in some cases, justifiably so. Right? Every big game we get into, we don't win in recent memory. And my argument is, yes, they were the better team. But the fact is the fact. We did not win. We it was not close. Boom. Is what it is. But this is a huge chance to shut that narrative the fuck down. And stop these idiots from just coming after you just because. Like I put, you know, if Notre Dame wins, you know, uh, I'm going to have to be spending the whole, all day Sunday into Monday quote tweeting. And, <clears throat> well, you're are you going to quit Twitter? Like, no, I haven't said anything 
overly ridiculous. Like, why would I do that? I don't have to quit Twitter. Call me out on something I said. It's nothing ridiculous. Because I've said more than once. You've probably seen it. I keep saying if Notre Dame wins. If Notre Dame wins. Because here's the deal. We're getting there. To my prediction. And, speaking of predictions, I will keep retweeting and bringing it up. The Saturday's Count t-shirt giveaway. At Saturday's Count. That's their Twitter. So many, Only so many Saturdays. Make them count. Best catch phrase in college football. Make your predictions, guys. You can get a free t-shirt. You can get a free t-shirt. So, make your predictions. Get them in. Uh, you have until kickoff. You have until kickoff on Saturday. So, all right. But I've said, if Notre Dame wins, if Notre Dame wins, should Notre Dame win, you know, and the the, the two tweets that I put out about it is like, should Notre Dame win? Is it possible? Is it possible to make the entire Ohio State fan base fucking quit Twitter? Because that would be a good day. And it's like, if Notre Dame wins... You know, I'm going to be very, very busy, 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 busy um, on my phone. I might even have to go to my computer uh, just to make it easier. But the quote tweeting and calling out the I, – I don't even know what the number is. I stopped looking, but I'm over 50 tweets. And that, and I'm saying that because that was – I've added to the list the last three days. That was like over the weekend. So I'm probably closer, probably to a freaking hundred now. But that'll be a fun day. Holy smokes. But again, I keep saying if Notre Dame wins because I don't have Notre Dame winning this game. I don't. And you you can say all the mean things you need to to me. DMs are wide open at five foot nothing pod on Twitter. Email me if you need more characters. <laughs> Five for nothing pot at gmail.com. I know Jimmy, Craig, I know some of you guys. Joe, you got my number. Text me. Call me. Say whatever you need to say to me. But I I don't want to be the shamrock colored glasses guy 24-7. You know, I think we're going to go 10-2. and two. I, I've been pretty solid with how I feel about our team and what we've accomplished since I started this podcast. And I'm not going to just, just because I'm excited and just because I want Notre Dame to win and just because of all that, I'm not going to go, well, fuck, they're going to win. I, I I don't see it. All those things that I said can happen. But it is still game one. It is still Buckner's first start. It is still the horseshoe. And I, I think we're going to keep it close. But just... I think Ryan Day's experience in game and their three fucking Heisman Trophy candidate players on offense is just going to have them just a step ahead of us. I think Notre Dame loses 38-30. to 30. So that's there's two things, though. It's a one-score game, so it's going to be exciting. And we're going to be on the edge of our goddamn seat. And... I might, I might even tell my buddy Paul to go fuck himself throughout during the game. Who knows? We'll see. Who knows? We never know. We never know. We don't know. We don't know. It's a fun little Saturday plan, right? Uh, maybe, but we're also going to cover the spread. I do believe we are covering. There's no way. 
There's just no way. Because of all the stuff I said, while I do think Ohio State will win the game, there's just so much that Ohio State still has to prove in its own self that they can blow out a team like Notre Dame, and they've had plenty of changes that is going to, I think, allow Notre Dame to, to keep the game close and stay close. So, 38-30. Mark it down. I hadn't put it on Twitter yet. I only put a little, I don't think we win. You know, I don't think Notre Dame wins. But here's my official prediction, 38-30. to I, I do see points being scored. I, I think it's going to be an enjoyable Saturday night for college football fans outside of Notre Dame. And, I mean, Ohio State's obviously enjoyed it should they win, you know, 38-30. But um, from an outsider just tuning in, let me see, hey, I don't I don't hate Ohio State. I don't hate Notre Dame. I just want to watch college football. I think it's going to be a good game to watch. And it's, it's going to be a topic of discussion for Paul motherfucking Feinbaum to shove up his ass. And that's the thing. Notre Dame's gonna lose, and we're like, see, same old Notre Dame. But if it's thirty-eight to thirty, I am gonna, I am gonna be a little bit of a, a punk on Twitter, like you were full of shit. Like at least give us our due, man. Like I know it's, it, you know, it's a loser's mentality, right? Sour grapes, whatever. Just, I do think that's a huge step forward for Notre Dame football and a way to kick off Marcus Freeman's tenure in a positive way, despite it being a loss, should it be a loss. Now, with that said, I want to be so, 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 so wrong. Please let me be wrong. Please, Notre Dame football, let me be wrong. Because I do want to spend an entire Sunday just trying to get blocked and trying to make people quit Twitter. Just get pressure on Stroud, make it easy on the secondary, and... Take advantage of all the things we can do on offense. Don't force nothing. We don't have the receivers we need to start zinging it every which direction. Use Mayer. Use the three running backs. Use Buckner's legs. Let's do it. I'm going to be positive about that part. I'm going to be realistic about what I think. But I'm still going to be positive. Let's do it. Let's go. Let's get the win. Make me be wrong. Make me give a t-shirt to all the guys who are saying Notre Dame's going to win. And I love you guys. I do. And some of you are being realistic and it being a close game, Notre Dame wins. Some of you are being a little crazy saying Notre Dame's going to win like 45 to 21. I don't know what evidence we have for that. But I do love the interaction. I do love how many people are responding to that uh, tweet about the predictions. Please get them in. Only so many Saturdays. Make them count. Our first one starts this Saturday, September 3rd, 6.30 Central Time. And... Irish car bombs will be had. I will do that. You know I will. We'll be there. All my dudes will be sharing and commenting. But during the game, I don't know how live they'll be on Twitter. Uh, I, I do I, I do want to respect that I invited a guest over and we're going to watch the game together. I'm not going to be an ass regardless of how the game's going and be in my phone the whole time when you know he is a friend of mine. And I will have all my kids. It's a huge game. I just I want to be in the game. I don't want to be in my phone. So if uh, I'm not as uh, lively and chatty this weekend, that's why. But uh, if my voice comes back to earth where I can actually sing horribly, like that's pretty funny that I have to say it that way, but it's true. 
Um, I do want to get that the hype parody thing out. I do. It's just I I know what the words are gonna be. I just can't get them out. This is what my voice is right now, and it doesn't help that my two jobs require me to talk, and then I do this talk to myself for an hour. But uh, thank you guys always for tuning in, listening, getting the conversation going, including me and. Uh, your spaces reaching out to me to I need to get a space going I don't know when I'm going to do that but um, or I might just keep jumping on other people's spaces I know there's going to be some post game stuff you know but guys enjoy enjoy the game enjoy it have fun and let's go Irish alright let's get the win let's get the motherfucking win do the damn thing alright just do the damn thing. Make me be wrong. Please make me be wrong. And so we can all just have a ticker tape parade of telling OSU fans to more or less go fuck themselves. But I won't go. I'll, I'll be so condescending and it'll be joyous. I want that to happen. I want that to happen. So make me a liar. Go out there. Buckner. Estimate. Diggs. Tyree. Styles, Freeman. Reese. Golden. All of you. Make me a liar. Please. Go Irish. Beat Buckeyes. Five foot nothing. Hundred nothing. Out.